Nerds. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into Loho Daily. I am Loho, a.k.a. Lawrence Holmes. Thanks so much for hanging out with me on the podcast today. So, as we've tried to talk about everything that is connected with the death of George Floyd, I've been mindful about what voices I want to put on the air, the people that I want to talk to, the people whose opinion I feel like you need to hear, and also mindful about making sure that I'm I'm not asking people, people of color, black people specifically, to do heavy lifting if they don't want to. Those are things where I know that I'm trying to talk to as many friends publicly as I can, but there is something that wears on you as you talk about these injustices over and over and over again. I know that I've gone through the fatigue, so I'm trying to be mindful of that fatigue for other people when I reach out to them and ask them to do stuff. So in the case of Charles Tillman, a person who I adore and whose opinion I really respect for a lot of different reasons, which will become a little bit more evident inside of, of this interview. I, my approach to asking Charles to come on was a little bit different than it would, would ordinarily be. Ordinarily, it would be something like this. Like I would text Charles like, hey, you have an event coming up. I'd love to get you on to talk about it. Maybe we could talk about some other stuff too. Like that sort of thing. Like you're booking someone onto your show. What happened this morning was different. I just texted and said, because I've been watching Charles on Twitter over the last couple of days. And I know that, that he's been having conversations with people about George Floyd on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm, some of these conversations are not, appropriate for Twitter or Instagram. And what I mean is, is that it doesn't allow you to have as much context in a conversation. When you're limiting characters and it's a form of media that doesn't allow for 
nuance or inflection in your voice it doesn't always it all it isn't always suited to amplify whatever message that you're trying to get across or allow you to come across the way that you want it's part of the reason that being on twitter can be so infuriating is because you you have those limitations to it so people end up in arguments on twitter that agree with each other because something is lacking from the interpersonal aspect that often leaves us confused. So what I did today was after looking at a couple things that Charles had tweeted, I just texted him and I said, I have a platform. If you want to use it, we can use it. He said, what time? And then we got it together and we got him on the show. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Charles, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about Charles, which is one of the reasons that I reached out to him. His perspective is valuable. And one of the things that I learned in this conversation, Charles is a much more forgiving soul than I am. Like, I'm still pretty angry at, at Drew Brees. Charles is actually friends with Drew Brees, And hearing him talk about his relationship with him and what building bridges to getting everyone to a better place, what he says about that, I think is super valuable. And it was valuable for me to hear it. I also like when I have interviews like this, I like for the interviews to live in one place. And we did the interview over two parts on the air you don't have to worry about that here you can get the whole damn thing in one place so I wanted to offer a platform to one of my friends who I think is visible and responsible with his opinions but he has a story to tell and I enjoy talking with him I think that there's something that all of us can learn from this conversation and as I said I learned something today that I need to Make sure that while my anger is righteous, that I still have enough room in my heart to forgive those who want to be forgiven for their transgressions. So I thank Charles Tillman for helping me learn that. I hope you enjoy the interview if you missed it. Charles was really, really terrific on these things. And all I wanted to know from him first off was, how's he been doing over the last couple weeks? Hmm. Well, I think I've been glued to the tube like like everyone else, just kind of shocked what's happening in the in the in the country today or United States. Um, sad, I'm sad that it it had to come to that, you know, for Brother Floyd to uh, be executed the way he was, and to the results of you know after 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 the death and the 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 riot and protests and. And everything. I'm just. This is this is America. This is where we are right now. And I think that's just the. I don't know. I'm hurt by that. I'm sad by that to see, you know, the anger and hatred of certain people and individuals. And I just. Hopefully, we can get something good out of out of all of this. And I'm very optimistic that that change will come. Something something positive has to happen. You know, and I'm 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 looking forward to the next steps. You know, we got the word out, the message, the protest. So let's let the, you know, let's 
phase two. Let's let's see the change. Um, that's that's what I'm ready to see now. I'm ready to see people um, working on that. Truly, I am. I've and always I, I think it'll happen. I've always in, appreciated your worldview, like being someone who was born in another country. Uh, although technically mm -hmm. you were born in the United States, is on an army base, but to to be, have that experience and then to grow up in the South. So for to be a black man, to grow up in the South, to be in Texas, to be in Louisiana, what are the things that you hope that people can learn from your experience with not just growing up inside of, of, of places in the South, but also dealing with police? Uh, I, I, I think there needs to be a, a happy medium. You know, police need to be able to do their jobs effectively. However, I, as a black man, shouldn't have to worry about being shot or having your knee put on my neck and killed. You know, I, I definitely think there needs to uh, there needs to be a, a, a medium in, in, in between that. And through 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 conversation, through training, through people getting to know hey, this is what you need to know about black. This is what you need to know about white. Just learning the difference, learning about each other's cultures and, and, and knowing that, okay, I didn't know this is what black people did or I didn't know this is what white people did. Like I just, I literally just got off the phone with a, a, a very good friend of mine, a mentor of mine, and we had this conversation and he's a white guy. And he said, man, Peanut, I'm glad you shared that with me. I didn't, I didn't know that. This is very informative. Like, thank you for telling me that. And we just, you know, we talked about the term white privilege or privilege. And I kind of said, I was like, well, you know, I don't think that when you say that word, I think white people, they, they assume that you're labeling them a racist. And I'm like, no, that's that's definitely not what I'm saying. You know, I've had more of my white friends call me and just to express feeling concern. And we just had like an open dialogue, an open conversation. And it wasn't hateful. It wasn't, you know, we weren't angry talking and yelling at one each other. It was just an open conversation. And I think that's what, that's what needs to, that's what needs to happen. And he flat out said, he's like, well, what do you mean white privilege or privilege? Like, what does that even mean? And I was like, well, you know, I don't think your skin color works against you. Now you could be poor, immigrant, no, not, you don't speak the language, whatever, but your your skin color doesn't work against you like mine does you know what i'm saying and he he I, he just i mean very just like wow i never thought of it like that yeah you're right and again one of my best friends one of my best friends love this man like a dad and we just had an open conversation and i think it needs to be more of that going uh going on um I tweeted something and some guy was like, I feel insulted about, right? I'm like, dude, I'm not calling. I don't even know you. I'm not saying you're a racist. You might be, you know, middle-class working guy who busts his butt every single day. I am not calling you a racist. That is the furthest thing from don't even, that never even came out of my mouth. If you think that, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to, if you thought that, don't, don't perceive it that way. That's not what I meant. That's not the route or road I was trying to go along. I'm just saying your your skin tone, it works with you. It helps you. 
just because of the color of your skin. That's not your fault. Just like it's not my fault I'm black. I was just born this way. And I try to explain and, to people from from my point of view, like if if even being a light-skinned black man, that I have privileges that you as a dark-skinned black man don't, that right. there are people that will perceive me as less threatening because I'm lighter or they might think that I'm mixed race and mm-hmm. that th- that offers me into spaces that darker brothers can't get into sometimes. So it, right. it, it, trying to explain people to people that spectrum of privilege, I I wish that there would be people like your friend that understood that, all right, this is something that you don't quite get, but you were willing to open your mind up to understanding it. Yeah, and it's just, that's why, and, and the, the tweet was really saying, get comfortable being uncomfortable talking about this conversation. Like, you're going to get uncomfortable, and that's okay. Like, get uncomfortable because you have to have this conversation. I had, I'm, I'm eating dinner last night with my kids, who are mixed, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to them and telling them about my racial experiences as a child. And they're like, really, Dad? You, 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 that really happened to you? I'm like, yeah, it, it did. I was in third grade, and this happened, and this happened. And they're like, wow, I never, I never knew. And I'm like, yeah, I know I'm, I'm successful, and I've, I've done things, and I played in the NFL, and people know who I am. And, yeah, but at the end of the day, I'm still black. I, you know me in Chicago as peanut to peanut punch, woohoo! But when I step out of Illinois or if I go to another state or someone who doesn't or isn't a football fan and they don't know my accomplishments or anything that I've done, they just see me as a black guy and money, fame, that doesn't get me out of that situation. It's just like, well, who is this black guy? And that's what I was trying to, to tell to my kids. And I think I tweeted some guy, he was just like, you know, I'm like, look, man, you, have you been drug out of your car just for, well, you look suspicious. Come on, get out. Like, like that's that's how you treat me right now like i didn't i didn't do that man like i i live in this area i here's my license like why are you treating me this way i'm i'm good i didn't steal nothing why am i i don't care get out of here like all right here we go with this bs okay i already know what time it is you know just trying to get people to understand that i think is the hard part your kids right now are getting to a point where they're going to be leaving the house. Like they're going to eventually get to be the teenagers and in the car and all this stuff. How worried are you as, as the parent of, of children of color? Um, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not going to say I'm worried yet, but I'm, uh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Well, I lie. I'm worried because my net, my nephew lives with me. And he is 16 and he does drive. And I do live in a predominantly white neighborhood. And, you know, having these conversations with him, it's it's difficult that you have to have a conversation with a young man about the color of his skin and just the area that he lives in and how people might perceive him as a threat. Like that's 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 hard to do. And it sucks. It friggin' sucks to have this conversation um, with him. Hey, if this happens, this is what you need to do. Don't. I, I know they they say you, they look at you and they see you, but hey, when when this happens, I need you to follow these specific steps so you can come back home to me. Run run down your rules because I don't know if 
I, I think that there are a lot of, of my white brothers and sisters that they don't know that these conversations go on in black households. And right. I know that I know that they went on in my household on what what the rules are. So for for your nephew and I imagine your son. Well, what are the rules when when they engage in conversation with police officers? Well, I if you if they are driving hey, well, when he does drive, if he ever does get pulled over, I say try to be as disarming and non-aggressive, angry. Just already have your license and registration because, you know, they're going to ask for it. Already have that out on the dashboard and just have your hands on the steering wheel. I already have the window down so he can see inside the car. Like, look, my windows are down. My license registration is right here. My hands are on the steering wheel. And just, you know, answer the questions that the officer, uh, at, answer the questions that the officer asks you. You know, if you feel like you are being disrespected or if he is, he or she is profiling you or treating you wrong, just get a badge number. You know, no need to do anything in that moment because – all you're going to do is just go to jail, and that's – you don't win that way. You beat them in the courtroom. That's that's how you win. You, we, we have to keep our composure. We have to be a cut above, a step above, and it's hard. I told him, I was like, it's going to be hard if this officer is very disrespectful and just demeaning you and just talking to you like you're not a person. I said, I, it's going to be hard, but you have to keep your composure. And we will win on paper and in the courtroom, not in this moment, because he can just take you to jail and then more officers will come and then something else will happen. Just listen to what they say. Try to comply as best you can or comply. <laughs> and we, we we will win in the courtroom. We'll win on paper. But you, you can't win. You won't win in that moment. And, and the idea is that the goal is to get you home. You know, like that's yeah. that's the part that that makes me sad is that in, in, in what we're telling our children is get home and then be alive. And then we can go and try to handle this another way. But that's, yeah. that's something that I'm not sure. And maybe throughout all of this, um, there, there is a better understanding that that's a conversation that goes on in the households of people of color all the time, like get home and it, it hurts and you have to swallow your pride and you think that you know what your rights are and when those rights are being infringed upon. But get home so that we're not mourning you, that you're not a hashtag, and then we can try to fight it. Like, it's exhausting. It, it is. But I, 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 I want to let me let me let me say this, because I know a ton of law enforcement officers, a ton not a few, I know a ton that do their job and they do it the right way. And a lot of them are federal. A lot of them, a lot of them are local. Some of them are state. They do their job the right way. And I'm not, I'm not saying that all police and no, I'm not, that is not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the ones that I've, I've had a chance to, to be around and I know they do their job the right way. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that, I'm grateful for them and for what they do and for them risking their necks, keeping me safe at night. I'm I'm very grateful for them and for what they have done. I am, too, but I actually kind of need them to do a little bit more, like rooting out those dudes that don't do it the right way. Yeah, that's key. Um, 
a football question, which I wasn't expecting to ask you when uh, <laughs> but if you were Drew Brees' teammate, how would he's already clearly been talked to by his teammates and he's posted right. an apology. How important would it be to you to get across why you felt it was wrong? And is it hard for players to go at a player that decorated and that important to a team to explain to him where he may have erred? I just think you, you, you talk about it in an adult manner, a drew, this is what I felt. I felt this, 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 and that you just talk to him and Drew would have to actively listen to what the complaint or what that person felt. And then that's when you start to have the dialogue. And it's not a I, I think sometimes you have to you have to swallow your pride and just like, you know what? I got it wrong. I didn't okay. Well I didn't mean that, but you guys perceived it that way. I apologize. That's not that was not my intent. That's not what I meant to say. Or that's not the message I wanted to send. I was simply stating this. And I know Drew. I think Drew is a really good guy. I know in his post he said you can look at him as an ally. I think you can. I think he is an ally. Um, I think his teammates got him right. I think they got their point across to him. I'm sure there was some yelling. There was some screaming going on. But I, I think those teammates that that comment hurt, I think they got their point across. And I'm pretty sure Drew listened. He didn't just say, well, to save face and save my rep and image, this is what I need to say. No, I, I, I think his apology was genuine. I know Drew. I've worked out with Drew. Um, good friend. I still think he's a good dude, man. I I, I think these last 24 hours have probably been uh, difficult for him, I'm sure. But I, I, I think his teammates will rally around him and I think they will uh, I think they will be OK. But, you know, in, in families, you have arguments, you know, things are said because you're angry but when you you at the end of the day you just you you have to sit down and, and and get to the root of the problem and hopefully the team meeting that they had that coach um Peyton. what's the head coach name Peyton yeah, that coach Peyton had I, I I hope they I hope they got to the root of the problem to to fix it because you don't want that locker room to break up over this hopefully they can they can all band together and 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 be one not just for sports, but just this is. I think this is bigger than sports, though. I think it is but too. I, I, I think. I think they. I think they. I think they. I don't. I don't want to say fix the problem. I just think they had a, a good resolution to to what was said and and, and what happened. You you um, you talked about it a little bit earlier, but you have, as long as I've known you, Charles, like there's, you have a, a way of being optimistic that I envy sometimes because you're you're able to see a lot of good in people. And I think that's because you've always opened yourself up to your like your plethora of friends is uh, amazing. Like from from the, the, the guy who's a Navy SEAL to garbage men that you meet on the street. I, I find that you have this incredible ability to run in a bunch of different circles. So because of that view, why is it that you feel like 
you feel maybe a little bit more optimistic over the last couple of days than perhaps a week ago? Um, with, with so much negativity that's that's happened over these last couple of weeks, we can only we can only go up, and I try to see the best in you as the person. I don't care about you know your race, religion, whatever. I just try to see the best in you, the good in you. And we have more good than bad out there. And to anyone, to everyone who's listening to this, I I love you for who you are and what you mean to me, not what you mean to everybody else. I love you for who you are and what you mean to me. And I love this city. I love this country. I know there have been some struggles that we've had, but I'm, I'm hopeful that through real talk and conversation and the people in power to help affect that change, my, my hope is that they, those people in power that can make those decisions and help facilitate the change, that they will, they'll listen, they'll actively listen to people's problems and, and, and circumstances and situations and try to uh, they try to make that change because I, I don't I don't think anyone has enjoyed what's happened these last couple weeks. If you are, if you have, you are one sick. You know what? But I, I think for the most part, we all want. I think we all want change. I think we all want to raise our kids in uh, stress-free, hate-free. Uh, environments where we can just like, yo, man, let's, I just want to raise my kids and just live my life and just be the best person, the best Christian man that I can be. And I want the same thing for you, whatever your religion, you know, your, I, I want you to, to, to live your life and not live in fear of being hurt because you think a certain way. Can I ask you a sports question? Uh, Sure. Okay. Well, it's not really sports, but I mean, I guess it is. The so so we finished watching all of us like finished watching the last dance. Did you watch it? Oh, did I? Come on now, man. <laughs> I it'll it will go down as the greatest sports documentary of all time, in my opinion. What did you take from it? Um, I took. I think that when Jordan, uh, there was a lot of talk about when Jordan switched to baseball and he quit basketball. I think he got people talked about him and he got some backlash, but people didn't really know. Cause I don't think Jordan ever talked about that. People didn't really know why he did it. And for him to, I, I think to, to be vulnerable and finally share that with the world, that was big on his part. And I was, I respect that. And then the security guard, when he was sick, and you know, he Jordan looked at him as a father, and he was he was missing his dad. Um, how he was in practice, his mindset, telling himself stories and people pissing him off, and him just going to work, and yeah, he might have been a jerk to to those teammates, but it made y'all better. I appreciated I I appreciated him holding people accountable and just wanting to be the best version of themselves because he wanted to win and he pushed people and they might not have liked it and we all 
have our own style of leadership, but his is effective. You might not like it, but his is effective. You're going in the military. When you're in the military, drill sergeants are not your friends. They're to, they're there to get the best out of you. They see the potential that you have, and their 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 goal is to make you into a soldier in a short amount of time. And when you are in the season, you only got a limited amount of time. So I got to get you right. And he did that for his teammates. And I just thought it was uh, I thought it was amazing. I think they could have won more had they kept the team together. Okay. I really think they could have won more if they kept the team together. Before I let you go, tell the Jordan story in, in Charlotte. Oh, um, to, what, what year was that? 16? Yeah. 17? It might have been. No, it was 2017. I was in Charlotte. I went back to see my guy Kurt Coleman and Roman Harper play a game. And I was on the field talking to him. And then I, the game's about to start. I go back, and I'm going up to a suite. And one of the security guys says, hey, um, uh, Peanut, take this elevator. I said, okay. And I walk in the elevator, and I kind of do a double take, like, oh, snap, that's, that's MJ. And it was me, MJ, and, like, two other people. So I get in the elevator, and I'm asking, I'm like, man, should I, should I say something? Should I, should I just keep it cool? I don't want to be fanboy, but, man, that's MJ. I've <laughs> idolized this guy since, since I was a kid. So I'm like, do I have J's on? Please tell me I got my J's on. And I look down, and I have the red 11s. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. So <laughs> I, look, I look over, and I, 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 I casually say, um, hey, you like the shoes? <laughs> and he kind of chuckled. and was like, yeah, <laughs> I like them. I already peeped them. And he's like, hey, I'm, uh, he goes, I know who you are, Peanut. And I was like, what? And in that moment, I'm like, damn, MJ said my name. He knew who I was. And we literally just had a normal conversation. And I was extremely excited inside because he just knew my name. And then we walked and just, <laughs> just had like a regular conversation, you know. And I was like, oh, yeah, you stay around here? Too? He's like, no, nah, you know, I live in Jupiter. And I'm here. I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, I'm, I'm back in Chicago, you know, still holding it down. Um <laughs> And he can't, he, he got to his, we got to his suite first and he's like, all right, this is me right here. But Hey man, good luck to you. Stay healthy. God bless some, you know, something along those lines. And I walked back to the, to the suite that I was in and I look over it and the, the people in the room and I'm like, Hey, I just had a conversation with Michael Jordan. Like no BS. I literally just had this conversation and I think the most crazy thing about the whole thing was the man knew my name. He was like, I know who you are, Peanut. Like, I'm the fan. I'm like, are you, wait, what? Literally, you can't make this up. I wish I was lying. I wish I could exaggerate the story more, but there's no need to because it's unreal just how it sounds. And we had this, yeah, as excited as I was, I tried to just tell my, like, hey, he just, just talk to him. Just, he probably get the, oh my God, MJ story all the time. I've gotten that once in my life, but I don't know about that, Charles. You're you're one of the just, most. I literally just I literally just tried to have a conversation with the man, and it was, and it was dope, and it was it was so dope. I love the film, the documentary. Uh, yeah, I mean that's yeah that's that's my MJ story. People, I, I'm sure people are like yeah BS. 
all right, it, it really happened though. That's he was just he was just mad cool. We just had a a regular just casual conversation. I love it because you're one of the most famous people I know, and for you to like fan out is hysterical because it lets you know how famous Michael Jordan is. Uh, yeah, he is. Uh, I think that documentary just cemented him as the the best to ever do it. I, I wish there would have been a there could be a, a documentary about Bill Russell though because you know with technology social media film and all that documentaries they probably weren't doing it back then when Bill Russell played but I would love to see something um, about Bill Russell and how he played the game when he played because mm-hmm. the man was a force to wreck with <clears throat> and. I wish we could. I, I think sometimes we just focus on what we have footage of and what we see, and then the 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 people, the players that have come before us, we we kind of forget about them. But he is definitely one of those guys that I would love to just know more about and see film about who he was as a player and his mindset. And you know, I mean, he's got eleven rings. Yep. He's got 11. You know how many that is, dude? And I mean, well, it's 11. But That's, and then you oh have you have the him being this black figure in a very white Boston back then. And yeah. yeah. And it, and it's that his story. Like You talk about a civil rights leader like Bill Russell is all of those. And I would things. love and I would love to hear. I would love to hear those stories. Like, how was it being one of the only black guys in this all white area? You know, I mean, I know you're great at sports, but what about when you're not on the court and when you want to just go have some lunch or go to a restaurant? How was that? Yeah. How and- was it when you went? How was it when you went to the South? How, you know, like all that, that's what I want to hear. And basketball players can't hide. Like you can, to a certain extent, blend in. Right. Even you, right. like you can blend in a little bit, but. Bill Russell can't blend in. I had this moment during All-Star. Like, there was this peace game that was going on uh, at St. Sabina during All-Star weekend. And Bill Russell was there. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, I, I'm i at a point now in my life, in my career, where there isn't a lot of fan in me still. But when I was, I was like, that's, that's Bill bleeping Russell right over there. Like, he stood up. And like the whole place gave him a standing ovation. I was like, that's that's the man right there. That is Bill Russell. And yeah. he smiled and he waved. And people were like, Man, it's so great to have him in our city. And I'm I'm with that. Like, I think that'd be a great choice. I'm excited about this Bruce Lee documentary. Oh, I ain't heard about that. Yeah, it's Sunday night on ESPN. The 30 for 30 called Be Water. So record it. Oh snap! You, okay, because it's all yeah. it's all I'm, about I'm it's all about how he was trying to 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 become a movie star and how Hollywood rejected him because he was Chinese and and mm-hmm. all the things that he went through like to build up to become a, a martial arts icon. Man, I'm gonna be on the couch with some popcorn or something watching Bruce Lee get it in. No, I, I didn't. I don't even think my kids know who Bruce Lee is, which is so sad on my part. I'm failing as a dad. <laughs> well, make them watch the doc. They should watch the documentary with you. So I made my son watch Kung Fu Flicks. We watched the the Five Elements. It was an old school 1982 Kung Fu flick, right? And my son's like, Dad, their voices don't match their mouth. Like, what's 
I was like, I know that's the best part about it. And you know, they're, you know, they're the 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 kung, the, the the sound effects. And he's like, this is terrible. This is this is hot garbage, Dad. What I was like, man, this is the you know what? This is this is kung fu. Like I I wanted to be one of the Shaolin monks when I was a kid. Like this is me and my my brother. This is how we used to fight. We every time we punch, we make the sound effect. You know, we we try to jump in trees and land <laughs> softly like ninjas. You know how many broomsticks we broke trying to fight each other, thinking that they were damn swords. Oh my god, I I love the ninja and the kung fu culture, but I never got into it. Like I never um, was in um, martial arts, but my brother and I. Oh my man. My mom used to get so mad at us because we used to break the damn broom and oh uh, yeah, we oh uh, I could I could we I could talk for days about these kung fu movies, man. Me and my me and my pops and my brother, we would just watch so many. And the, here's the crazy part though, and I know we gotta get off. I um I FaceTime my dad and he's like, What you doing? I was like, Look what I'm watching. And he was like, Oh shoot. And I showed uh I showed the kids. I, I FaceTime him watching the kids watching the movie and he was like oh you crazy for that he was like yeah that's he's like i remember that remember when we was watching his kids remember you i was like i know that's i'm trying to get him right dad i'm trying but i i gotta let him watch a kung fu movie I, they gotta watch a bruce lee movie though they, they used to watch a bruce lee movie they used to have samurai sunday when i was a kid so you just like oh, sunday man. afternoon on channel 66 awesome. like you just watch all of these crazy movies like the five deadly venoms and and all this stuff and, and you're you're a hundred percent right me and my brother and my brother was is five years older than me so i was catching the bad end of all of this stuff all the time but you, you yeah. get into your stance and you had your favorite fighter and and all this stuff man it, it's the best it's awesome Charles, thanks awesome. for this, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you uh, being so open and candid, and I appreciate you sharing your story and standing up and wanting to to have things be in a better place. Well, no, just thanks for uh, giving me the platform to talk. And, again, my comments, man, it, it, it's not to hurt anyone's feeling. It's just really to, to get people to open up and just listen. I, I think that's the first step is you gotta you have to listen just to to the people affected by what's happening in the world. Just listen. Don't judge. Don't, just just listen. Just sit back and listen. That's 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 all. That's all I'm saying. But as always, man, I appreciate our conversations and and man, I love this city. We can rebuild it. The magma will be open real soon. Go go do some shopping. Go grab some food. I'm going to check out some restaurants in Hyde Park. Get it in. Get it in, indeed. Uh, be well, go to work, and stay safe, brother. Yeah, man. Later. Later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? 
Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 